it's been raining or raining or uh, or raining. (laughs) Episode 46 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. This is Brian. I'm Kara. And it's actually snowing outside, almost as if it's actually real winter. Almost. Except, guess what? After we get five or six inches of snow on the ground, tomorrow it's going to be calm. And then the next day we've got a huge windy rain day that's going to be 48 degrees at the high. Rain, sleet, they're not sure what's going to happen. It's probably going to be sleet in the morning. And then as it warms up to 48, it's going to be rain. And so we're probably going to have all the hits. We're probably going to have plenty of ice. And it's going to wash away all this snow. It finally looks like Maine in winter, but that's going to be washed away. Hmm. And the rumor mill, because remember we, we mentioned our general store is kind of a social hub. And a lot of gas station convenience stores up here tend to be like that. Any place where people go a lot. You get to hear what people are thinking about the weather coming up. And after that last storm that we had, if you'll remember, the weather service was talking about it days in advance. Our electrical utility knew about it days in advance, and they got extra people from Canada and Rhode Island. But the state government didn't really warn anybody. And so everybody was caught off guard by that. And and people just did not prepare as they would. This is Maine. People are accustomed to storms. So if you told people ahead of time, they would have gotten ready or maybe shut everything down and gone to somebody else's house or something, you know, but people were pretty much blindsided by that giant nor'easter that had tropical storm level winds and hundreds of thousands of people being without power and the state kind of dropping the ball and not warning us about it kind of spooked everybody. So now everybody's talking about Wednesday as if it's going to be as bad or worse than the other storm. I I don't think that's the case. I've seen 20 to 30 mile per hour winds predicted in my weather app. They, you know, some people claim it's going to be closer to 40, but I I can't tell how much of that is just people worried and how much of that is actual, you know, weather upcoming because now people are spooked and now people don't trust. Now we're all pessimists. Yeah, we're all paranoid about it. And because, okay, nobody's alerted us about any crazy storms, so, but they didn't do that last time either. So ah, it's frustrating. That's why I wish we could just find out exactly how that the ball got dropped. I do not need a name. I just need to know that they figured out what happened and it's not going to happen again. But I haven't heard anything to that effect. So we don't know. <laughs> we do know that the snow is going to be all washed away. And I kind of halfway did the snow removal today. I didn't really push too hard. I did minimal because it's not going to be around. I didn't even scrape the ground with a tractor as much as I would have. I didn't snow blow as much as I normally would have. Yeah, it's light and fluffy right now, but it's like really cold out too. It's in the teens and feels like two so it's burrs that's the thing is because we've had a fake winter we haven't acclimated properly it should be single digits during the day this time of year and we should just be accustomed to it all of the animals should be accustomed to it but because Mm -hmm. we've had so many warm days 
our half our chickens are molting. Still. And still. <laughs> and one of our goats, we found out, didn't get his proper winter coat. Yeah. So his cashmere isn't in properly. Or Magners. It's, yeah, it's Magners. We tried to put a coat on him. Kara got a dog coat from Home Goods that she was hoping would fit him. And it kind of does. Maybe if we can tweak it, because it was expensive. It was $40. Just... The problem is the hood falls over his face and completely covers his entire head. <laughs> so the hood has to be rolled back and maybe removed. And the Velcro around the belly is not quite long enough because Magner's is, he's the size of a small dog, but his belly is as big as a Labrador. Yeah. Uh, because of the way goats are built, they, they have these big midsections and it, it's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, Kara had another visit from the vet, just a wellness check. And so Kara learned how to check to see if a goat is just full of food or actually fat. Yeah, <laughs> you can check like near their rear, you feel their rib connection area and if it's, there's a way to tell if it's good or if it's just a little too meaty, so to speak, so. I don't know how we're supposed to regulate what he eats. I mean, it's winter weight, you know. Yeah, well, he's not, he wasn't one of the fat ones. He's just, he's got a good ruminant and eaten because yeah. he's cold all the time, so... He wants to be warm. He thinks eating more might warm him up, and but he's not like overweight or anything. He's Are we just, talking about Lucan? I was talking about Magnus. Magnus, because you told me Lucan was getting fat. Yeah, Lucan, our smallest goat, is a little, a little plump too. Only not. He's not unhealthy yet. And but. that's what I mean. We can't put them on a diet, right? Because <laughs> we put hay out and they eat it, and and it's also winter, so they're eating so much, and then. And I was worried he wasn't eating enough because he always gets bullied because he is the littlest yeah. and the youngest. So. so it's a good sign that he's getting a little plump. And it is winter, so that's also a good sign because we're warm-blooded animals. And there's two ways that you generate your heat. One is just chemical energy from processing your food, your metabolism. And the other is friction, which is like when you shiver. You know how when you work outside and you shovel snow, you're... You're, you're developing friction in your muscles, and that's why you warm up. And shivering does that too. You know, so, but all of this stuff is energy that your body has to produce in the cold to make yourself warmer. And that means you need to replace it with more food. So they eat a lot of, they're eating a lot of hay. I, I don't think that they're all properly acclimated to winter. So no, because... when it does get cold, they, they have to eat more and more. I think it's costing us more hay because of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, half of them, it was like 40, 50 degrees a couple of days ago. So obviously mm -hmm. they don't have their full poofs. And all of a sudden it's now like 12 degrees or whatever, 18. More like 18, yeah. But it feels like it's <clears throat> really cold. So they're not used to it. Some of them got a little poof today, but not what they should be. They're not where they should be. And really, when we say 18, as Mainers, we should be walking out at eight, in 18 degrees Fahrenheit without it bothering us. But that's a process of acclimating to it. Every year, we, we acclimate to it. And that's why the, the, the fall normally feels colder and worse than the actual winter. 
because you've just come out of summer and you're wearing t-shirts and stuff and flip-flops and you're, you're, you're very warm. For the one and month and For the, the short summer <laughs> that we have. So emotionally, you're just not interested in layering up yet. Yeah. And so when it first gets cold after summer, everybody's sad about it. And so it's, it's, you have your worst emotional reaction to cold in the fall. So the solution is to just take pleasure in the fall, you know, enjoy the leaves or enjoy some, some apple cider, whatever helps you get through it. But when it first gets cold is when everybody's like, oh no, but by the time you get halfway through winter, you should be acclimated and it should be normal and you shouldn't really be worried about it or thinking about it too much. And it, we, we shouldn't be walking around here thinking, oh my God, it's so cold, it's so cold. It, but like she said, it was like 40s a couple yeah. days ago. We just haven't, nobody has been able to acclimate properly. So you end up with miserable, rainy weather and mud everywhere. And then it turns around and drops and becomes actual winter for a few days. So it's just different layers of miserable. Yeah. It's been rough. And it's it's just, it's climate change plus El Nino. And all our animals are, some of them are new to this year. Like our sheep are just standing out in the snow now. I don't, the I sheep don't, don't seem to care about the weather so nearly weird. as much. They're just so weird. <laughs> all the goats would be like, okay, enough of this. I'm going back to the house. Yeah, they and, the goats will come out because snow is a little different than rain. If it's heavy rain, they're like, no. But snow, they'll come out and see what's going on. They're like, eh. And then they'll do their little head down to run back into their house because they don't like the wetness in their eyes. Right. So if it's if it's <laughs> light, fluffy snow, yeah, that's when they stay out the most. But typically they end up in their house. Um, yeah. And then the, the chickens end up in the goat house for the most part. Some of them in their coop. Some of them underneath a table, a picnic table or something. <laughs> they, and, they have since moved yeah. uh, those girls. the only trouble is our, our ducks which uh, they've molted properly for the for the winter but that we know of I don't, don't know, even know I don't know what other acclimations ducks go through internally because they're all laying around in the snow and huddled up and sticking their faces under their wings and like shivering, ducks and, shiver. And Kara's telling me we got to put them inside. I was like, "Come on, it's not. It's 18, and these are ducks. They're made for this. They're they're physically built exactly for this. It, they should. They they're built to be in the water during this." And she's like, "But look at them. They're shivering. It's like it's hard to argue. Like, did they not acclimate? I mean, even the mallards, yeah, are not having a great time. They their little feet. If it's so cold on the ground with the snow and." The temperature, their feet touching the ground. Just imagine having your foot on ice. Yeah, but they're. Like, but the thing is, ducks in the middle get, of winter will go swim in water, yeah, and they don't. They but, enjoy it. But they get frostbite. But these are domesticated ducks, and half of them are only not even a year old yet. So maybe, but <clears> the, something's up with them. Basically, they should all be fine. In previous winters, all our ducks have been just walking around in the snow. Wah, 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 they don't care. Uh, but this year has been so volatile that near as I can guess, they didn't acclimate either. And yeah. so they've got some trouble. So they were having some problems. We're trying to run them into their house, but the sheep come stand in front of the duck house. <laughs> They're just like, what are we doing? And I'm telling Kara, move the sheep. The ducks will not 
yeah. will not go that way if the sheep are there. You, you try you. moving sheep. So she's trying to move them. <laughs> we couldn't get within 20 feet of these sheep when we first got them. And, and now we're like, move. No. No. And move. Now, you move. It's like, <laughs> I'm holding hay and putting stuff in the feeder or just walking sometimes. Hamilton, one of the boy sheep, will just come up and jump on me like the goats do. I'm like, dude, you will seriously knock me down. <laughs> sheep are hardy. They're hefty. They're, yeah, they're, they're big. They're, they're just bigger than the goats. They, they look like they're all floof and not much in there, but that's not true. There's a lot in there. They got some weight to them. We gotta. And they're miniature. To, yeah, we'll have to weigh them. Obviously, I don't know how much they weigh. Probably like, I would say between seventy to eighty-five pounds at least. But I'm not yeah. sure. And we have um, we have a milking stand type thing, just for them, that that we can use to to do their feet and whatever. And it's got a special thing for a sheep head. Because remember the uh, the one for the goats that doesn't work on sheep. Their necks are too thick. Except it's so tall that it's for full sh- full size sheep. Well, it said miniature sheep in the. If you've ever looked at a milking stand in the front, uh, in this case, there's just a metal, uh, like a, a squarish pole that you can adjust. You raise it, lower it, tighten it up, and in the top there's a little basket you put the sheep's head and you put a chain over its the top of its head and it locks the sheep's head in so that you can deal with it right the pole is so long that the sheep are just not tall enough to put their heads in it so i'm actually going to have to take a grinder and take probably a foot off of that thing (laughs) so we can lower it down enough because kara's like just lower it it's like it is on the floor (laughs) so we got to lower it down enough that sheep can actually use it. The sad thing is the description said it was good for smaller herds, but I guess not ours are the exception. I never would have imagined that I would be the kind of person that would just say, I'll go get my grinder. <laughs> <laughs> but not only am I going to cut that, uh, but I'm going to have to like grind it down so it doesn't have sharp edges and stuff. So that's that's another thing to think about. If you ever have a grinder, it's it's like a it's a I don't know what the official name for it was. I'll put it in the description, but it's the basic simple it's a Ryobi tool, it's electric, and it just spins a a grinding wheel. And you can actually put different ones on it of different thicknesses and different types. And when I first got it, I didn't know how to change the thing. I didn't know if there was a key to unlock it or whatever it was. And it turns out you just, you basically pull the trigger or something to, or there's something you do on it to lock the wheel in place and you just unscrew it lefty loosey and the thing comes off. And it's a little hard to do sometimes because you've been using the tool, but there's no trick to it. You just physically force the thing to unscrew off. And that might help you if you're trying to change the, the granny wheel on your grinder because I didn't know that. I thought there was a little tool or something. You unlatch something and it would pop off. That's just, that's not how it works. It unscrews. Anyway, um, it's exceedingly strange for us to look outside right now and see a snowstorm. We we didn't think we'd see one this winter. Yeah. We, and this is a regular snowstorm. This is the, the fluffy stuff. This is the kind of stuff you want 
stuff you can go sledding in if it weren't so freaking cold. Yeah, my electric snowblower can go to town on this without even straining the batteries. Easy. You know, it's uh, the, the last stuff, although the last snow we had was better as a test for the snowblower because that was the heavy, wet stuff. So that was a good, that was good to show that snowblower works in rough conditions. Yeah, but I went in front in the afternoon and I, I don't know, not even afternoon, like noon, I think. I went out there and I snowblowed an area in the front and then I took the tractor around the front yard and the driveway and flattened all that out. And of course, because the snow didn't start until about when we got up and started having our coffee, it doesn't build up until much, much later. So I really technically should be starting the snow removal like now. You know, normally the snowstorm happens at night while you're asleep. You wake up, there's a whole bunch of snow. You get the snow removal done. Like normally I'm waiting until a reasonable hour so I can crank up my tractor without like the, the neighbors ought to be awake by this time I'll drive my tractor uh, but because it went started it's going to fill in the stuff that I, uh, I cleared but it's not going to be as bad as it would have been yeah. Yeah. and then the next day it all gets washed away <laughs> another point of the Ryobi snowblower that I have it's not the largest one that one would need like four batteries in it and it would, it's a heavy duty this is one. This one's a smaller one. It's a single stage, and it takes two big batteries. So I've got a few of those between the lawnmower and the chainsaw and the other things. But that that snowblower is quiet enough that you don't have to wait for a reasonable hour. You can just go out there in the dark in the early early morning, and you're not going to bother your neighbors. And that's one of the selling points of it. And if I decide to go down the hill and I get stuck somewhere, I can just yank it out of the snow and I can carry it where I need to go, <laughs> which is another advantage of the electric. But the disadvantage is, yeah, you're on battery power. It's, the, it's, it's not as powerful or as long-lasting as a gasoline-powered engine, and it's just not going to do as much. But it's lower maintenance, and it's enough for what I need. And I've got more of the batteries, so it's fine. I guess we're talking about snow and winter and fake winter. I guess that's the topic today. Fake winter. We didn't even know the topics, but that's it. Fake winter. Well, now it's 15 degrees out, so... We're down to 15? Burr. <laughs> What's the low going to be tonight? Do you know? Uh, let's see. We're looking. We're looking. We're checking the weather app. She's finding it. I'm stalling. No, it says... Well, now it says 18. It said 15. Low will be 15. So we're basically at our lowest. Okay, so... We're always at our lowest. No, you refreshed it. It just said 18 on your phone right there. Yeah, but it said 15 a second ago. All right, so, but, so something's lies. up with it. But basically, we're going to be in the teens tonight. All night. And that's more reason for us to camp out in the warmest room in the house. Yeah, and... I have not worked on the bedroom, obviously. Today would have been a good day, but it's so cold up there. There's no heat, remember, so no. Right. <laughs> well, remember, as a reminder for those who may have just joined us, the only heat we have on the second floor of the house is in the bathroom upstairs. Yeah. And that protects all the pipes, and that's great. 
the bedroom and the other rooms have the old school vents that are just basically glorified holes in the floor so that air can naturally rise through the vent to the second floor. But because we don't have a particular interest in heating, like the second floor doesn't get cold enough to damage the house, but it gets too cold for comfort. And we have that vent closed in front of the bedroom because we want to keep the heat in the kitchen and in the, the main living room. You know, so right now that, that vent is closed. Yeah, when she decides to work up there, it's going to be cold. Yeah. And I want to paint first before I rip up the rest of the carpet. Like, I started ripping up some of the carpet, but I feel like if I just paint, and then that way I don't have to throw down tarps and stuff, it'll just be easier. Except for covering the furniture, because I can't... That's the problem. You gotta... I gotta do it step by step, because I can't move all the furniture out. Yeah. So I just have to move it to sections and then work my way. It's going to be weird and awkward and people are like, why are you doing that way? Because I don't have a choice. Now, if you had me and Ron on the job, we would do the flooring and then we would paint. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd have paint on your brand new floor and then there would be words and then Ron would say, oh, look at me, I got to go. And then he'd leave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what boys would do, right? They don't think... The long-term plan. <laughs> and I have to paint the ceiling. Because right now, the, the bedroom, the walls, and the ceiling are this lovely beige color. Um, so both things have to get painted. And I only got one gallon of each paint, so I'm sure I'm going to need more. But that's all we could afford at the time. And it's going to take me a long time anyway. At least I have like three months, right? It's January. So I feel like I should be done around March, maybe. That's the hope. Anyway. The other advantage is because we're not paying a crew and because this is our house and how we live here is our own business, we can camp out on the first floor as long as we want until we get that done. Yeah. And nobody's got to push you or rush you at all. And we're hoping to add heat to that bedroom, <clears throat> but there's a lot of stuff we have to do first. We have to fix the windows and... There's yeah, I believe the thing. The hierarchy here or the, the order here is we're getting the gutters done on the outside. Yeah, I got a quote from a guy and normally you want like a couple quotes I would say. It's like a doctor, you want a second opinion, but the fact that he actually showed up, I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go, because in Maine they're few and hard to find, so you got a good vibe off of that guy, too. Yeah, and he said exactly what I had said, <clears throat> that some people may want to fix the siding first to make it look pretty, but what's the point if it's just going to get damaged again because you didn't fix the underlining issue with the water? Right. So, so if you've got water coming off your roof, blast inside of your house, there are people that keep fixing the side of their house as yeah. it gets water damage, and then it gets water damage again and again and again. Silly and people. <laughs> just fix the underlying issue and then once that is corrected once you move that water away then you can fix the siding one time do it do it once do it right right That's... yeah it, it, it feels probably a little concerning to people because they want to fix the problem they're looking at but there is a root cause and if you can control the water around your house 
you can solve a lot of stuff. Like, we're not getting a full gutter system. It'll just be the main... The main trouble areas. Trouble areas, which is the front by the uh, basement and then the side and then our back area where the steps are. So we can't get new steps. Well, first, we can't afford them. Second, why get new steps if it, the same issue is going to occur that all the snow, all the rain will just fall right on top of it? Yeah. Do you really want to spend mm -hmm. thousands of dollars on a, a deck and then just have it get destroyed? And because it's a weird design, like they three corners meet and then fall down right on all of it. Who designed a roof that way? I don't know. But so they're going to have to figure it out. It's not a normal situation. So, but... Our house is kind of like... <laughs> it's is weird. It, is it, it's an L, kind of. Uh, yeah, kind of. Basically, imagine the basement doors. Your classic metal basement doors in New England. And they're at the inside corner of an L. So basically two metal roof sides just kind of funnel all that snow, all that heavy snow falls through the air and goes kabam right on the basement doors. Just physically, never mind the moisture that's going to be all around the basement doors all the time. Just physically beating the basement doors. <laughs> and then if you don't, Go out there and immediately every snowstorm shovel off of the basement doors. It turns into a giant block of ice. And so you can't access your basement from the outside until spring. Unless you're, do, well, unless you're like me and you, we hired a, was it Terminix or somebody had to go in the basement. And I wanted to give them access from the outside. And I took a big heavy metal digging bar and just broke up the snow. You, If you're on a farm... You end up using tools for all kinds of stuff. For weird things, yeah. Not it's not just a digging intended. bar. It's a giant industrial ice pick. <laughs> you know, my brother was telling me a, a Air Force story one time where he was talking to a younger guy and he like held up a big giant screwdriver and said, what's this? And the, the guy was like, it's a screwdriver. He's like, yes, but it's also a lever. It's a chisel. He named off like three or four things he could use a screwdriver for because he was aircraft maintenance. And, you know, sometimes the toolbox, if you were, if you're such a genius that you walked like halfway across the flight line to go do something and you didn't, you only brought like the tools you supposedly needed and you, you know, are wrong. <laughs> you can walk back or you can, you know, and then other times you just need a pry bar and a giant screwdriver will do it, you know. And it's, it's kind of like that on the farm. If, if I walk all the way down the hill, I'd much rather have, I'd much rather solve it then than try to walk all the way back up and, and then go back down. But I have had to walk back up because I forgot something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, where, there's a little toolbox. It's a good exercise. It is. It is. <laughs> there's a little toolbox on the back of our tractor, and I've started to put knickknacks in there that I'll need in weird situations. Then he forgets he puts them in there and is looking right. for them. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have walked up the hill to the garage because I forgot that a little thing I needed was in the toolbox in the back of the tractor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of these days... I my label maker and just label everything. This yeah. is in here. That's in there. 
it's it, it's a moral imperative if you get a label maker that you need to make a label that says label maker and right. put it on the label maker. <laughs> yes. I, I do like feel a little bit bad about taking the tractor down the hill. Like I, with the lawn tractor, I was perfectly happy to use it as a taxi to just take me around the property. Uh, but with the the tractor is diesel, and I, I'm a little more conservative about when I want to burn diesel fuel. You know, like I want only want to take the tractor down the hill if I need that bucket to carry something. Whereas if it was electric, I'd be like all, using it as much as I could. And with gasoline, it's, it's not as dirty as diesel. Either way, it's the one tractor that I've got. You know, one of these days I'll have a side-by-side and I'll, I'll be able to drive that around. Someday. Someday. I'll have a side-by-side. It'll have a, it'll have a winch on the front and a, a dump truck thing on the back. It's going to be awesome. In the off times when they sell them cheap, they're $9,000. So, so if any rich people want to donate to the farm... There you go. Oh, yeah. You donate a side-by-side? Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Except I don't want one of the camouflage ones. I don't know why people want a camouflage side-by-side. I need to find the thing. I need it to be brightly colored. I've seen them in red. The John Deere ones are green and yellow. Fine. You know, it could be fluorescent fuchsia for all I care. I want to be able to see it in the trees. I don't want my side-by-side to be the same color as all the leaves in the trees. (laughs) I guess that's for hunting people, but... Yeah, but I I would, like, go work on a fence or something, and then, I, luckily, we only have so much land. But I, if we had it all opened up, I could see myself wandering off to build the fence and then going, where the hell is a side-by-side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see myself doing that. I can see it, too, as a side part. So... The, the conditions for the side-by-side are as follows. First, we have to have an extra $9,000. <laughs> right. So, or any $9,000. We don't even have the, the extra. It's right. Just... No, no, because we don't actually need the side-by-side right now. So at this point, it would be an extra $9,000. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We would have to meet all of our responsibilities and then after that have another 9,000 laying around for a side-by-side <laughs> so that's kind of hard to achieve yeah so we're already in fantasy land we've already <laughs> like left any kind of real discussion at this point this we're just talking about stuff we want uh, but another requirement for the side-by-side even if we did have the money is opening up more land i i i couldn't in good conscience use that thing to take me up down the hill <laughs> with what we've got fenced out now i'll just walk you know but um if we get the whole seven acres opened up we'll definitely need it because kara's thinking about having all that stuff down there just be open we'll just like clear it and just leave it open and i i feel like we should build off-grid buildings and stuff down there i mean we're definitely going to have because we're a nonprofit. people are supposed to come here to relax and be with the goats right so we definitely want walking trails and we want little stations on the walking trails with benches and things so that you can, like a flat spot with a bench so you can sit and chill. We need, yeah, I don't know, but I just I just feel like we need buildings on the property if we're going to open up that much I of it. I don't think we need buildings way down there because no. that would be a lot to maintain. And we're not going to have animals down there, so what would be the purpose? Of People having- stuff. Well, yeah, but people aren't going to want to walk all the way down there. People are 
we'll we'll have the um well they can ride in the side by side <laughs> or our donkeys or with our... the cart so i know we if you had listened before we were talking about miniature ponies with the cart and stuff but do you know how hard it is to find miniature ponies and if you do find them which will probably be out of state they are so expensive you might as well get a full-size pony at that point or horse because pony and horse are different right sorry you know so what i mean it's a miniature horse <laughs> but the important thing about it is if you go on the internet and look for a miniature horse you, you'll find some horses that have dwarfism so those horses are physically different that's not what i'm talking about. that's not There's, what we're talking about there's actual miniature ponies they're called pony i know when horses are babies they're called ponies but there's these are these are like regular horses that you're thinking about they're just smaller yeah in the same way that our goats are smaller and our sheep are smaller it's um, like a miniature farm yeah. which there is one in vermont too and the big right? difference is the uh the mini horses with dwarfism do make good pets sometimes but those aren't working animals they're, they're not no, because they have a lot of health issues. Right, so those are so, those are pets that you care for, and there's which I wouldn't mind either if I needed to adopt one. I would totally. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's limits, but you can look on the internet and you can see those horses, and they run around a yard and hang out with the dogs, and they have a good time. Uh, but you're not going to hitch them up to a cart because they like they have health health issues. The miniature horses we're talking about are just like you, you zapped one with a shrink ray and, and it, it's just a smaller version of a horse and they could definitely pull a cart. Okay. And I've seen videos of one of them pulling a, a medium-sized woman on a single little cart with two wheels, right? So if you have a team of two hitched up, you could probably haul a little trailer full of lumber, full of like firewood or something. Yeah. On our property, I would probably institute a rule of the cart always goes downhill empty hmm. because the animal is going to be constantly breaking all the way down the hill. And then you only put stuff in it for the uphill. And then you give that animal a treat because that's hard. You know? Well, yeah, you got to always treat. Always yeah. get the treats. But yeah. because it's hard to find miniature horses, Kara has now turned her attention to donkeys. I mean, we had first thought about the donkeys, but then he read some bad stuff. But I did more research, and if you train them right, you can forego those bad things. Although, internet will tell you all sorts of stories. So, but if you get... So, we're going to look into it. We're, I found a farm nearby. I'd rather get our animals in state, except our birds, which is hard because we need them sexed, etc., etc. We've been through that yeah. part, but... We have to talk to actual farmers because yeah. if you go on the internet and you ask about risk, it's always horrible, right? It is. So the things you read, <laughs> can I have donkeys with goats? No, your donkeys will kill your goats. Will they though? I mean, maybe Me that was for that circumstance. How big are your donkeys? How old are your goats? Were they raised together? I mean, there's so many situations where... I don't know. Meanwhile, you'll have donkey farmers when they say if you get a donkey and you only get one or you get a horse and you only get one, sometimes you can give them a goat to be friends with so they're not alone. And well, apparently those animals got along and they're fine. Yeah. So it's kind of the same principle as Dr. Google gives you cancer. 
Right. Have you ever heard that <laughs> Dr. Google gives you cancer? Because if you go on Google and you look for what's my health problem, you always end up with like a horrible, horrible problem. <laughs> yeah. It could be cancer. I you, thought I had lupus for a while. Yeah, you so never I, go on the know. internet to find out what your health problem is. The internet will never say, yeah, you're fine. Right? <laughs> or, oh, you have a very common thing. Or you need more sleep. The internet will always say the most horrible thing. So, so we're going to plan. I'm on the list. But we're going to go to their farm. I told her. I have lots of questions, and they're totally fine with that. And so we're going to talk to them. We're going to visit and see what it's like. And They're miniature donkeys, so they're not full-grown. So they'll probably be a little bigger than the goats. And if we get them as babies, they're probably going to – and you you got to get two. Like I know people say get one, but – you could argue donkey that they're friends with the goats. Donkey doesn't talk goat. Goat don't don't does not talk donkey. So you want them to have a friend that's like them. Otherwise, there could be issues, and that's probably part of the problem that people. We're going to ask the farmers about that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, they have. But a lot of farmers have separate pastures all separated out. So. So we got to do plan. they mix their animals yeah. like we do? So we'll plan to have an enclosure just in case, but I feel like they're going to be supervised most of the time anyway. And then if you train them, because donkeys are super smart, which is part of the problem, and so are goats. So I feel like if we have enough hay feeders and can teach them, I think it'll be okay. But we'll see. They're going to be supervised. And to be fair, we hear a lot of horror stories about goats. Yeah. And ours are so chill. It's... If it... If they're... What is it? If your fence can't contain water, it's not going to contain a goat. Yeah. Or hold. Hold, right. If your fence cannot hold water, it cannot hold a goat. And that implies the goat really wants out. So... We've found that the way to keep goats inside the fence is to make inside the fence a cool place to be. Yeah. And they're kind of happy to be where they are, and they're having a good time. And the only time I've had trouble with the goats trying to get out of the fence is when I neglect the grass outside the fence, and they're looking at really tall grass (laughs) that I need to mow, that I need to get the weed whacker near the fence, and I need to get the lawnmower out. Um... And, they're, they're, and when they have gotten out, they've gone directly to that to eat it. And then we panic and we're like, ah! But yeah. but that's the times when they got out, that's what it was about. I mean, and, yes, goats get bored. So yeah. what do you do? We watch TikTok videos. <laughs> she does, It yeah. entertains them, I swear. I swear. <laughs> so it, to prevent them from getting out, we have a double gate. We have like an airlock like at the dog park. So every place where you go from the front area where you park cars and stuff to the actual farm area, you have to go through two doors. Every place. Even our front yard. Because Aberdeen got out once and that was a whole adventure on its own. And she runs at hyper speed. So now there's a double gate there. Because we can't have nice things and no one can be trusted. (laughs) But that's... But basically... We haven't had any of the trouble people talk about. They say, oh, my goat was on the hood of my car when I got home. And then Kara and I are like, well, what's your fence like? What Is kind your of car space? parked into the pasture? I don't quite understand how that's possible. How did that even happen, right? We, we Our first impression is there's some element of neglect there. But 
we don't know their situation. Every farm is different. Maybe maybe you don't have fences. Maybe your land isn't laid out the way ours is. You know, who knows, right? Maybe you don't, you know, pay attention to your goats because goats need a lot of attention. They're right. like and, children or dogs. And Kara's out there. Like I'm out there a good bit, but Kara's out there more because I I let him out in the morning, and then I got to log into work, and then I'm you know I'm out until and in winter I'll go out and carry some water out there in the middle of the day, or Kara will do it, and it just it takes her a little longer, so it's easier for me if I can break away from work for a few minutes to fill some heavy jugs and take them out, fill a few things, but even even me, they just walk up and I scratch their ears and. They get a lot of attention, and they just don't match up to what other people say when they talk about goats. Yeah. So Even the vet, like, we had mentioned we just had to switch vets, and we got the other partner and the whatever they call it. There are two women that run this veterinary practice, and we had met one of them. Yeah. And she's very cool. And Kara had the a wellness check recently, as I mentioned earlier, and that's when she met the other person yeah. in that practice. And so lady came up, she's like, where are the goats? Oh, we had to go to the other area because they, they were in the clubhouse where the sheep tags, I just put hay in there or something. That's so. what we call, there's a shelter logic, a <laughs> uh, little hoop shelter in the back. Uh, and, that, and we call it the clubhouse because it's where the sheep hang out. And yeah. we have hay in there and water in there. So then, we, that's our name for it. Anyway, so she wasn't sure if they would come up with her there. I'm like, oh, don't worry. And they all just started running up to us. So it's like, she's like, they're not friendly at all. <laughs> <laughs> Being sarcastic, of course. <laughs> yeah, our goats are super people friendly. We have events here on the farm. and Lots of people come and the goats just intermingle with everybody. It's we, we have goat yoga where the goats intermingle and people end up with favorites. Well, they, and the goats love it too. Yeah, yeah people. the goats love attention. So we've made sure that their experiences with humans have been very positive. And There's an occasional, that, you know, rowdiness that they're not crazy about, but we work through it. Which rowdiness? Like... They don't like being chased because they're prey animals. So if you're running after them, they will be afraid. Oh, you mean like so, people that really want to pet a goat? And, like little kids yeah. running after them. So they're scared yeah. of that. But if you can just be like, just calm, and then they'll come up to you. That's the basic okay. thing is the goats come to you. You do not necessarily go to the goats. It, that's the, the key. That's why we when we have events where people are just sitting down, hanging out, and you put out a peaceful vibe, you're surrounded with goats. And I say events because it's hard to categorize it through Facebook because it's all created event. They're more like activities because we are the nonprofit thing happening. So they're like coloring with goats, and then I do group therapy, not support group, not therapist. Uh, support group and then this summer I'm going to be adding well not even summer like springtime I'll be adding different things where you can just come and do these activities and it will incorporate the animals the goats the sheep the ducks because the ducks although 
They won't come up to you and sit in your lap as the goats do. They are entertaining just as much. So. And again, if you put out a peaceful vibe, the ducks will wander around and they'll be close enough to you. They're very relaxing. They're funny and relaxing. Even the chickens, I know I was afraid of chickens too, but they'll come up to you. They're curious and they'll just hang out. Yeah. It's basically all the activities are designed to just have you sit down and relax and hang out with the animals. It's, it's, a, it's an excuse to hang out with the animals, really. And that's one of the reasons I want to get the, the walking trails made. Because then you can walk with just, the animals. Just go hang. <laughs> and if you're, if you're sitting on a bench somewhere, the goats are going to be like, what's going on over there? And they'll, you'll, you'll have goats bothering yeah. you. <laughs> We're, we're kind of moving into things we want to do with the farm, which we, we, we think about a lot. Uh, yeah. Kara's thinking... All I think about. Kara's thinking that as I clear more land and as we fell trees and as we chop the trees up and get firewood and stuff, she she thinks that we're going to have time to train two miniature donkeys to pull a heavy cart up the hill. Well, we will. We'll have to make the time. I know we haven't made the time with Aberdeen, but to be fair, the weather has been chaotic. It's been nuts. It, it's, it's been raining or raining or, uh, or raining. Or so. not raining. Oh, my God. No, wait. Never mind. Oh, it's raining. No, it's raining. <laughs> and I did take her out a few days ago, and she was pretty cool. I we really just, it's repetition. The solution is to take Aberdeen in the back on a leash a lot and just let her calm down about the environment. The it, problem is all the animals remember her. Yeah. So, so as I've seen enough from Aberdeen to know that it will succeed and she will be safe. If I take her out there enough time, she'll stop chasing things and stop being a weirdo. But it's just a matter of investing that time. But unfortunately, a couple of the goats have just, they recognize her. And as I'm walking with her on the leash, I walked her past the feeder and Moon saw her. And he left the feeder, started walking towards her. And I just turned us to the left and kept walking. And then he's like, okay. And he went back to the feeder. Yeah, Moon does not like Aberdeen He at does all. not like I've her. done a TikTok video of them. So you'll have to check that out. It's like... A while ago, so you don't have to search. He'll try to headbutt her, which, hey, good luck. She's got the speed force. She can move at hyperspeed. But if he did manage to do that, she would go flying. Yeah, so we're... Because he won't hold back on her. Yeah, so we're we're not really interested in testing that out. We want to (laughs) prevent the whole thing. So it's an issue. But basically, as long as as we invest the time, if we ever, ever get decent weather in a pattern then we can get Aberdeen squared away from the backyard because everybody else can be in the backyard and it's cool. Yeah. And it's always on, obviously we're super busy working, but the rain continues on those days where maybe I have a few minutes to go do it. Cause it only takes a few minutes a day, but if it's raining during those few minutes, it's like, I'm not getting her money and, then I have to give her a bath, and then it becomes a whole, it's a whole day's event. Really. Because the day after the rain, you still have mud. Yeah. Because we had so much rain that the ground can only absorb so much, and the ground is still muddy for a day or so after the rain. It takes time for that water to work its way through everything. So it's been, 
really difficult to build up any kind of outside routine with the weather we've had. So next year, I'm hoping, not being an El Nino year, hopefully next year will be a little more stable. Climate change is still throwing everything out of whack, but hopefully we'll be able to predict a little more. Probably not, though. <laughs> that's my guess. But that's the thing. is like Kara wants this village of buildings up here where we are, and then the rest of the property is what, just totally open? Yeah. Like a couple of benches here and there. I still want to put some buildings down there for some. Not, not necessary. It doesn't have to be an animal house. Everything doesn't have to be an animal but, house. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> Why make the effort to put a building if we're not going to put animals in it? Except the one building where it's a clubhouse. But then people and animals will go in it. So there's that. But... I'm not talking about a total off-grid home where you have heat and everything. I'm talking about oh. a little cabin yeah. that you use in the summer that, that we can go and and hang out in or at least store things in. Nah. There'll be, it'll be something down there. Once we have it all <laughs> open, there'll be something down there. But there's a lot of trees to cut down between, between now and then. Yeah, there's so many trees. Hey. Yeah. That's the problem with buying land. That's wooded where you want pastures. I mean, trees aren't all bad, but if you have so many trees that interferes with grass growth and other growth, it does yeah. become a problem. And once you clear it, it takes time for all that to happen. And it's expensive because... And the trees do provide a service because when we have a lot of wind, the trees block that wind. And yeah. some of them may fall down if they're dead or, or compromised by a previous storm, but they are blocking it. So as you remove more trees from your property, you're more vulnerable to wind. That's so true. I wouldn't get rid of the big trees, I'd get rid of the smaller trees. And they're also good protection for air predators, because we do have a couple eagles soaring above. What you gonna do about a bald lights. eagle? An American bald eagle. You can't shoot them. We got Sam the Eagle circling above our property yeah. and you would think oh my god i saw an eagle that's the national bird that's pretty cool no they're after my damn ducks yeah or my chickens <laughs> or chickens or, or whatever i don't know it's like but... you keep going sam <laughs> you keep rolling on down the road you just go <laughs> yeah i tell them you move <laughs> go away bird <laughs> we've actually had them circle above our birds Many and then times. we walk out there and look up at them and he's like oh Oh, hi. Uh, well, this is awkward. And then he kind of like circles away. Um, yeah. There was one event. What was it? I think it was the Halloween, the second annual Halloween event. There was an eagle. It was oddly warm that day. I remember way back when. <laughs> That's how well, it was, was last year. Well, technically. <laughs> but you can tell when it's a predator bird because the our ducks and the chickens will just, they do this weird call, I guess. If we don't have a rooster, so obviously the rooster would be very loud about it if we had one. But since we don't, the other birds have to chime up and then it circled above in the backyard. So all the ducks moved to a certain area where 
Couldn't get them. Like under a large tree with a lot of branches. Yeah. Well, they went into the, near the chicken area. Yeah. Like, and then it went to the front of the house where our vulnerable ducks are. I don't think it could grab a pecan, but I, I'm not chancing it. Yeah, a pecan's too big for an eagle to just grab and haul away. It would have but to, it's, like, it could kill it for sure. Yeah, like, like would the eagle try it and go, oh, darn, this isn't working. hungry and enough. now you're down a duck because the eagle experimented. So it's like, we just don't want to try it. We don't want to test it. But it, like, hung out in one of the trees for a while is the scary part. Like, and, scoping. And by the way, we don't, yeah, it actually landed in a tree. Yeah. And it was just sitting there looking. So we were, no, dude, no. no. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't really, when you see an eagle in the sky, this is how we get legends of giant birds. Like if you if you look up, like, was it cryptozoology, like Bigfoot and Nessie and all that stuff, there are giant birds in that genre of belief. And the reason people end up thinking that stuff is because you have nothing next to the bird in the sky. You, you have nothing to give you a sense of scale. So you really don't know how big that eagle is. And I don't know how, quite how big eagles get. We're both standing on the ground thinking, I don't think a, I don't, I think a pecan is too big. But I feel But is like it? Is it too big? If it's hungry enough, it would come down, kill it, and come back for it. Or, or try to eat it right there. Eat it right there, just in front of everybody. Just flip us off and just, and just eat it right there. Because eagles don't care. They're mean. They, they know they're care. protected. You can't do anything to me. I'm the national yeah, bird. Exactly. What are you going to do about it? it can't it's do like, anything to them. So. so so basically, we've got a stalemate. If an eagle decides to eat one of our ducks, we're like, they're protected by the United States government. Yeah. So we, we don't even want to, we don't want to go there. But that's, but that's the thing is we don't know exactly how big that eagle is. And the eagle can probably see exactly how big the duck is. So the only, the only one of us that knows whether or not that eagle can grab that pecan is the eagle. Yeah. <laughs> we but don't our, know. So we're like, ah! But a lot of our pecans are disabled, so they can't move very fast. Right. Remember, they go up front so, because they've had some leg problem. And now and, we have 16 pecans up there. This this happened recently. Oh, we, we finally, didn't talk about Beckon, should did we? Did we? No, we did not. So as we recorded this, we talked about Beckon and we went, all the way to almost an hour and a half. So we're going to move that to the next episode. We're going to tell you all about why we moved all the pecans up front and exactly what happened to Beckon. And we should probably warn you, it's going to get a little graphic because we get into medical stuff about how ducks work and what can happen to them. And So parental discretion advised. Yeah, parental discretion advised. <laughs> See you next week. We're going to talk about ducks' reproductive systems. Awesome. Bye.